Spoiler alert! Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. In case you missed the glaring spoiler alert, as with all our book clubs, there will be spoilers. We are doing one of my favorites, A Man Called Uva by Frederick Backman. This book starts the third year of having book club. We had a good attendance, so that was great. But before we get to book club, I wanted to tell you all about a wonderful audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I would appreciate your support of this podcast, so it helps me know that you are listening and you care. To do that, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. I'll add the links in the show notes. Also in the show notes will be ways to contact me, Instagram handles of the members who attended today and all that jazz. For now, pull up a seat, sit back, relax and enjoy our book club discussion of A Man Called Uva by Frederick Backman. First off, Happy New Year and welcome to our first book of 2022. It is an obvious book because it had to show up because I'm in love with this author. We have a secret affair going on. Don't tell my husband. I mean, obviously, this is recorded for the podcast, so he'll hear it at some point. So this is uh, a man called Uva and the author is Frederick Backman. And for... uh, Those of us who've been in book club, we already know my first question, but Nina, this is usually the first question, is what are your first thoughts about the book? Erin, first thought, go for it. I can't believe I put off reading this book for so long and you had talked about it nonstop for like two years. So uh, (laughs) that was my, that's my first thought. Thank you. That was music to my ears. I mean, for New Year's to hear you say that was absolute music to my ears. Who's going for any other first thoughts? Bowie, you wanna go first thoughts? You got a big smile on your face. Uh, First of all, so happy to be back and especially happy to be back in order to say that this novel was a huge disappointment to me. I thought it was really contrived and overhyped, and I cannot wait to share how much I did not like it. Oh, my heart is broken. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm so sorry, but I have to be honest. Okay. Okay. This this is going to be a great session. Okay. Who's going next? Yeah, I can go. Um, I I read it some time ago and I've read Bachman a lot and I really, really like him and you know that. And I just think his writing style is different. It's a fresh breath of air after reading very hard novels. Not that 
his novels are by any mean light or not deep enough. But um, I just think he talks about life in general and about misunderstanding people who have no social filters and how you can connect. And once you connect with them, how that goes about. So I, I actually love this novel. I love the movie. I didn't read it like just recently. I went through like a few pages here and there just to be ready for the, for the book club. But I read it a long time ago and I remember it. I, I liked it. I thought it was very sweet. Um, I thought it was a little predictable and a little um, uh, uh, maybe simplistic, um, but, but, but sweet and real. And so I, I enjoyed it. First thoughts, um, Uva reminds me of my dad. So that completely made me fall in love with the book. And as it said, like on the back cover or something that this will help you understand and love the curmudgeons in your life much more. And it definitely did that for me. Yeah, just because of that personal connection, I'm biased. So I really enjoyed it. My first thought is really a second first thought because I did listen to it again. And like, I listened and read it. Like, I mean, physically I was looking at the words while I was listening. So I was doing the whole nine yards with this book. And I mean, it's Backman. So it just warms me up. But the difference the second time around for me, as a first thought, right from the first sentence, I already knew who Uva was. And I was already in love with Uva. I've been in love with Uva for so long. I know Bowie, you're laughing. I'm sorry. Can't help it, okay? And so right from the first words, the first sentence, I had a big smile on my face and reading it a second time around, the experience was just so much better. And now I'm thinking, I should reread more books. Why am I reading new books? I should reread some of my favorites. So those are my first thoughts. And now let's just talk about what is this book about? What, What do you think this book means And is it valid for Backman to have written this book? Is this a topic that needs to be discussed? Erin. I mean, to me, this book was about what it means to live in community, because I think that so many people today don't really remember what it means to live in community, or maybe they've never learned what it means. But it just was so refreshing to see that these people from very different backgrounds, very different individual life experiences, they came together in the end and, and they really did work together and they weren't always perfect. Right. Like, and I think that's the beauty of the story is that they all had faults, uh, weaknesses or blind spots and, and they weren't perfect, but they came together and they made this like really, really beautiful life together. I find it interesting, Erin, because I didn't look at it as forming community, I looked at this book as a passage of life, as looking at how, you know, when we're a child, we look at life a certain way, we have our experiences. And and I look at it as down the road, there's so much that we carry. And when someone looks at us, what they see is just they look at us, but they do not see the multitude multitudes of memories that we hold within us and how it has shaped us. And that was just, for me, what this book is about. 
is to look deeper when you're looking at someone. Rufat, you're next. What's this book about? And is it a worth topic discussing? Yeah, so um, I definitely, uh, and I think it's not only this book, uh, Bachman's other books uh, also pretty much sort of preach the same thing about not judging people just by their face. That's, I think, his main theme in all his books, and I love it, and not judging people, especially those people who are different from just the mainstream, you know, personalities that we have. And uh, definitely about the community. And he always likes about the multicultural uh, communities and how people from different backgrounds can come together. And he has that uh, writing an author's theme, I would say, with him. And just like Nina said, you know, I, I am a speech pathologist and my main area of work is with social skills. And I see a lot of people who are younger form of Ove or like, you know, the little girl in, what was the other book? The grand, my grandmother told you to, you know, or Brit my, my grandmother told me to tell you she's sorry. She's sorry, right? The little girl in that or Brit Marie or Ove. I mean, they're all kind of the same people that I work with when they're little, telling them how to uh, be socially appropriate, how to say, I mean, the difference between what you think and what you should or should not say. And, you know, I, I just think, in my personal opinion, Bachman either works or lives or has a huge experience with people who lack social filters or who have a hard time fitting in. And I think it's his mission to make that possible. So to me, that's uh, what the theme is. And then the secondary themes or the kind of like the undercurrent is all the communities and, you know, different cultures and, you know, people coming together and forming, uh, living together, you know, basically, irrespective of where they're from. They, we are all first humans and then we are what we are. Dr. Jen, you're next. Yes, uh, I, I agree with Rifa too. In the first chapter, uh, I was so irritated. I could, I could imagine myself like in the store, in like the Apple store or whatever store he was in trying to find the computer and be like, ah, I want to pull my hair out. But um, And then you learn through the course of the book, you know, who he really is and why he is that way. And so I, I think that's definitely um, one of the, the themes. And, and for me, the other theme was kind of related to the theme of community that you guys were, were talking about. I, I think it's more just connection and family in, in general. Um, I mean, he went from being suicidal to having um, a fulfilled, um, purposeful connections um, with his neighbors, which kind of stood in for his wife um, after she had passed. And just through that connection, we can create meaning. Okay, no one else has the hand up, but Bowie, I really want to hear your flip side of this coin. Please help us. <laughs> so... For me, this novel was really about the lasting impact of grief. Like we see how much the loss of his father and his wife has just shaped him into the person he is, right? For those of you who have like been in book club with me before in the past, I love that. Like give me a grief riddled novel. Let's go dark. Like I am there for it. But I think what didn't land for me with this novel was it was supposed to be funny. And I feel like we were supposed to see Ova in this way that was really like, ah, he's just, you know, an old curmudgeon, harmless. 
but I actually feel like Ovo is kind of terrible and needed to take more responsibility <laughs> for who he is and his actions. And yes, there are like lovely sides of him. But I think for me, like having experienced many men like that in my life, my patience for it being like charming is just not there. I loved all the other characters. I even felt a lot of compassion and sympathy for him. But this book did not crack my heart open in the way other books about grief have. And so my bar is very high for a story like this that is showing the aftermath of a huge loss. I know Backman's not here to defend himself, but I will because you know of my my relationship with him. <laughs> so I think I think this is where we agree and disagree, Bowie, in that you're right. This book is not grief porn, if you want to call it that. You want grief porn, you want to be bawling your eyes out and your heart ripped out of your chest. Read a little life. I mean, yeah, that is. That is grief. Can I add a, Can I add a comment to this though? Sure. So many reviews of this book that I saw when I finished it were about how much people were sobbing, how moved they were, and I was like, we did not read the same book. Like I, there was not one moment in which I felt compelled to tears. If anything, I was just like, okay, this is probably what's going to happen next. Keep turning the page. It felt like I was reading the treatment for a like Hollywood studio film about an old man that ends up having a heart of gold. And I was like, boring. I don't care. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I think it was Aaron and Riffith, the Riffith Aaron. I didn't, both your hands went up about the same time, but I will tell you the first time I read the book, I was crying. I was just heartbroken. I was like, Uva died. Uva died. I was just like, I remember going downstairs to my husband because he's been following the story. Every time I go to work and I come back, I'd be listening to it in my car and I'd be like, Uva tried to commit suicide today. And then, and then the conversation became, how did Uva try to commit suicide today? And I'm like, well, today he did this. And it was that. And so when Uva died for me, I went downstairs and I was bawling. I just, I remember I went, Uber died. I was like, and my husband just helped me because I was so sad. I think it came, comes from loving someone and a character, but I know you didn't. Okay. Who wants to go? Erin or Rufluth? You guys have your hand up. Well, I was just going to um, respond to Bowie. Like I cried, ugly cried in my office. I was embarrassed to leave my office to like get a tissue. It was that, but it was like on my lunch break that I read that I was listening to this part, but it wasn't where Uva died. So like that actually was not like what made me sad. I mean, actually I thought it was very, I, I loved that he died in a different way than suicide and that he had been able to deal with stuff. But the part where I was crying was really like some of those very emotional, well, what I saw as very emotional parts where he was accepting of individuals from the community and who, you know, weren't being accepted and like the beautiful things that he did to try to, you know, make a way for his wife to continue teaching. Like those were the moments where I was, I, I, I just felt like you don't really see that that often today. People doing those just like very kind things for one another. And I agree. I, I think that Ova was a, 
a grumpy person and maybe I could relate a little bit to him myself. I mean, I'm not generally a grumpy person actually, but living in grief and not like dealing with it. And also kind of a little bit of what he was also dealing with was like feeling like the world was against him. And I think he had a lot of anxiety after the accident that he hadn't dealt with. And those are things that I can, I can relate to. And so it, it really, um, I think he should, yeah, I think he, he could have done better and been a a less grumpy person, probably 80% of the time or 90% of the time, (laughs) but he finally dealt with it. I thought it was very realistic. Somebody who's dealing with those pressures all the time. I, I do think that they, that does wear on you and on your personality. And even if you were naturally a bubbly person, which he was not, I think he was naturally a person who didn't have a social filter. And so it just added to his, his situation. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think I agree with Boye to that uh, extent that I actually don't remember crying. I It touched me a lot, but I don't remember crying. Uh, uh, I cannot believe this. This is total sacrilege, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it was a little predictable. There were points when I was like, oh, yeah, that's why. So I don't think it was like a totally and I did not look at it as a novel which was about grief. Again, my point of view was it's a novel about how different people handle their or have different reactions to grief and how a personality when, you know, he has that, whether he's on the spectrum, which I think he is, and most of Bachman's characters are, when you are on spectrum and how, you know, how you deal with that at a young age when you don't have father and mother and then the way he fell in love was totally different from a normal you know I wouldn't call it normal like you know what I'm saying like from a mainstream let's not say normal abnormal but from a mainstream person the way he handled his grief is because the way he is what he is that's how I looked at the book and that's how but for me I have to say that I did not form a connection with him I don't remember falling in love with Ova or um I, I don't think that I was like so deeply into his character. I like the book for the writing style, for the depth of the writers, you know, the way he reaches people and psychology and all that. So I, that's how that's was my connection with the book directly with the author rather than the character. That's, I don't know, the, my take on the book. I have a question for Bowie. Nina, I'll have you go after this, but real quick question for Bowie. You said, something about I didn't understand about how well Uva is not like a good person or he hasn't done good for people or something like to that effect and I'm thinking what do you mean by that I mean because I'm thinking I mean Uva does not want to help people granted but can we talk about Uva's relationship with cats problematic also Uva is fat phobic like I would not consider like again I am compassion for Uva I understand if I I I love the Uvas of the world I've fallen in love with many young versions of Uvas which is maybe why I was like I know how this story goes like I it's not that interesting to me but like as a as a fictional character as a story it didn't captivate me because it just felt like I already know this person this person has already like been in so many stories this archetype of like the fumbling 
socially awkward, doesn't have a filter man, that I think I was just like, okay, I've had my, I've had my fill of this. Like he's going to have to be really exceptional and interesting for this to be something that like really touches my heart. And in the end, I just felt like he was, you know, like a Swedish version of that, <laughs> of that archetype, which was like the most interesting thing to me was maybe all the references to the sobs and the cars. I mean, I'm being a little dramatic here, but like just giving you insight into what I was listening to, what I was actually thinking, and then just feeling really like, oh, am I now Madame Coldhearted? Coldhearted? You like, are I think totally, I took the couch You have totally... <laughs> I've never felt this way. You've totally switched place with me. I mean, I I'm the one who comes in and says, well, this book, well, let me tell you, no, no, no. And now this is, this is great. Total flip. You've become Madam Coldhearted. But Nina, you had your hand up. Well, I cried at the end twice when <laughs> we found out that Jimmy was the young kid uh, whose mom had the abusive stepfather. That I did not see coming. And that just like, I don't know, melted my heart. And then, of course, when Uva actually dies and there are 300 people at his funeral to go from being completely alone to impacting that many lives, I thought was very moving. And then I thought the overall book was about like two things. One is like, it's about moments. And I don't know if you guys ever saw Shawshank Redemption, but get busy living or get busy dying. And so that really resonated for me in this book that every moment you're either living or you're dying. And then there were like two tiny moments that changed the course of everything. One was, you know, the accident. He thought that the driver was drunk. You know, he had that nagging thought, but he just didn't speak up. He didn't take his wife off the bus and go to another bus. And I can just feel like how he can, how he goes back to that moment. And it's just like one moment that completely changes your life. And then the other moment is what if Patrick hadn't backed up the trailer? You know, that incident of smashing his mailbox completely again, changed the course of his life. And then I thought it was also like a commentary on modern society hidden within a story or a novel, because I agree with Uva, like our society today is run by white shirts and not with any kind of like integrity or, or humanism or individualism considered. It's just like, well, that's the system. You're screwed. So, you know, sorry about that. Just that, that's how it is. And so I definitely agreed with that. And then I also thought that it was uh, a little bit political in terms of who he was accepting, like Mursad, you know, and talking to Mursad's father to accept him since he's gay. And yeah, I mean, I, I like the commentary on modern society. I'll tell you one thing that on the second reread that really bugged me is about the cat because it didn't bug me about Uva. I didn't care that Uva didn't care much about the cat. Me personally, I'm not a cat person. I'm not an animal person. So you don't want to hear, I mean, so I don't have that cat compassion. I'm not like, oh, but 
the element of that cat thing that really bugged me, the, especially the second time around, it kind of still nags on me is the fact that Pravana lied and said, oh yeah, so-and-so, she's, she's allergic, Uva, you got to keep the cat. She's allergic. I'm, you know, that still nags on me. That still bugs me because I'm kind of like, you, I, you little son of, I cannot believe you said that. I mean, how dare you? I mean, you come off as this, oh, holier than that, holier than that kind of a person. I'm here to help you, Uva. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And you lied and you, how dare you? How dare you? That scene, Pervana, I was that little bit, I mean, I love Pervana, but that little bit, oh, that scene just grates on the minor. But anyway, Dr. Jen. So she knew he was trying to commit suicide, right? Like she, she was fully aware that that's what he was trying to do. And so she was giving him some purpose, like, and she kept showing up at these, the most inopportune times and, you know, his clothes smell like exhaust. And she's like, we have to go to the hospital right now. Like clearly like she knows exactly what's going on and she just keeps, you know, doing the things. And maybe the kid's not allergic to cats, but if he has something to take care of, then he's going to maybe stick around a little bit longer because the cat has to be fed tuna fish twice a day, right? And that's what ultimately got me in the end was that the cat was like sleeping in his bed with him. And whenever he, you know, needed to uh, do something, like somebody had to feed the cat twice a day. So like he, he kind of full circle 180 um, with, with the cat. So that's one of the things that just I found so annoying was like his wife and... Pravana were like, when you look at the narrative, it's just like, okay, all the women have to save this man. And I'm just like, okay, how many times have we seen this story from the beginning of time? Save yourself, Uva. Like, you have good healthcare in Sweden. Like, talk to someone. (laughs) Why do these women need to labor on your behalf? Because they don't want to see you like be miserable like that that was my view of it the whole time was just like help your damn self oh we i'm gonna be devil's advocate you're threading a very thin line here because when you tell me that someone with depression needs to save themselves oh that's that's getting a little tricky bowie but Shanaz, are you telling me that someone's partner or their neighbor should be responsible for someone else's depression? No, no, they're not <laughs> responsible for his depression, but we have to have some empathy that someone is depressed. It is incumbent upon us as society to have empathy for the depressed. If you came to me, Bowie, and you said, oh, I want to commit suicide. And I said, uh, how are you going to do it? You, a rope? Yeah, let me give you a rope. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I have to be like, oh my gosh, Bowie, let me, let me get you help. And that is. I just feel like it must be acknowledged. And I refuse to romanticize the implied labor that women should be responsible for the mental health of men. And I am purposely making a point here. I understand like, this is a cute story. Like, let's like not think about it too much. Like, I feel like that's how we often view these stories that tug on your heartstrings. But at the core of it, that's what I'm saying. Like why it felt cliche and trite to me 
is that story. I feel like I have read it and seen it since I was a little kid. And I don't think we need more of it in the world. Yes, Madam Coldhearted. I hear you very clearly. <laughs> Rufat, you're next. Yeah, if you look at it from like a woman trying to take care of man, I yeah, I understand that. But I don't think that was the point. It's just about like, I think Erin said the community of like the sense of uh, the feeling of being together, helping each other, whether it's a woman or man who's sad and the cat and even asking him to take care of her kids. It's sometimes, and I, I'm also a very private person. I don't like when people, we have friends who try to ask too much and I don't like it, but I think people like those are sometimes uh, they become the savior. They, they are the people who save others even if they're annoying. Um, and it's it's a good pairing for a person like Uwe, not because he's a man or he needs a woman or it's a woman's duty to do that. I mean, besides that point, I think it's, it's a, you know, and I'm just going to give you an example again from my own experience, like uh, the high functioning Asperger's are very good with ADHD kind of people. They, because one is push, you know, it's kind of like they, they can form a happy medium. So that's something like that over here, you know, but I, I thought that people like Pravana and all, they could be annoying, but they do form, they do have a role in forming community and it did help Uva a lot and gave him a purpose and showed him a different um, pulled him out of the depression in the first place and showed him a different way of life. Like, you know, and he wasn't too old. He's 59, you know, I mean, he can, he, he, there was no need for him to get so depressed. But again, he was depressed because of the way things happened in his life and the way he reacted to them. So it was a good, it was a good pairing. That's, uh, I think, uh, that's how I feel about it. Well, I just wanted to add to this part, um, this topic that I don't think that Backman was making a commentary that the weight of men or anybody else's mental illness should be on the women. But I think rather that he was making a commentary on the current state of affairs within the vast majority of our society, which is that caretaking and relationships and the weight of that do fall to women, even if that's not the way that it should be, but that's the way often that it is. And uh, the reason why I say that is that, so now that I read Ova, I've been on this like Backman kick and I've read almost all of his books. So uh, I just finished Bear Town and Us Against You. It's interesting because in that he actually does come out with different characters and say that, you know, the weight of basically like a lot of the pieces of community, a lot of the pieces of relationship that they are like those decent parts are, are women. And it's been, it's been because of the work of women, but he also talks very highly about women. And there are characters that he has that are women that like, don't take on those roles purposefully or because that they have, you know, uh, no social filter, as we've been saying. Um, But I think that reading the full breadth of his books has helped me to realize that I really don't think that he was saying that it should have been on Parvana to save him. She took it upon herself. And I think that her character is real in like, you you see it in, in people in our communities. I mean, I've seen people that kind of fit a Parvana view and maybe sometimes I've been that a little bit that person. I've also been a little bit of Ova sometimes, so I can relate to both. <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of women in caregiving and especially in mental health care. 
So I, I just feel like that it's more of a state of, he's just giving us commentary on the state of affairs, not that like, this is the expectation that should be set, but maybe that's like a point is to bring awareness, right. To the fact that so much of this is done by women and it's work that is not recognized. I mean, she's a stay at home mom, right? She can't drive. She doesn't even have a driver's license. And I think that was part of what he was trying to say is like, like some people would look at her and form an opinion about her value to society or to community, but they need to take a second look because the work that she is doing really was good work and and productive work and not just for her family, but for her community. And that paid dividends to the community in the long run. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about the other women in the book for a second, because I didn't really have that thought until now. Like the other women in in the book, like there's Parvana, obviously there's the super annoying lady across the street with a dog who's peeing everywhere. Oh my God. Then there's the lady who is the newspaper reporter that's hassling him and harassing him. And then there's his wife. Are there any other women? There is uh, this one's wife. The uh, what's his name? Oh, that's right. The the neighbor's wife, um, like his best ex best friend. His ex best friend's wife. I yeah. forget. Yeah. And the one okay. boy's girlfriend that lives down, like in the same little neighborhood. Okay. With the bike. Yeah. Not not a lot of well rounded positive traits in that group, um, except for his wife. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just, His other books are not like that, though. I will point out. Okay, There's like okay, very, very good. strong. Yeah. <laughs> this, you're right. This one isn't. Bowie's like, I'm not reading his other books. Ha ha. Bowie, I know you have your hand up, but I'm just going to bring up a, I guess, a judgmental sexist point of view, potentially. This could be something that has been, I guess, throughout time, you know, they say, well, women are the caregivers. Yes, women are the ones who are as Bowie says, rescuing the man. And she's like, I've seen this trope so many times before. And I was thinking when Bowie was saying that, are there any men who are rescuers? And then I answered my own question in my mind. And I thought to myself, this is where the judgmental sexist part of me comes out, is that I think emotionally, hormonally, you know, with oxytocin and all the hormones that women have, we just kind of become more emotionally tuned with other human beings than the average man. And Bowie's like ready to take me on, but go for it. Like I said, I've already said this is judgmental and sexist, but I feel that, you know, like when you have a mother gives birth to a child, there's that bond because her body is freaking flowing with hormones she can't even think straight all she can think about is this baby and that that love and the bonding and that messes with her brain and that brain is makes a woman more sensitive emotionally that's my thought on it and like i said i don't see a man having that much of a connection and that's why the trope essentially exists it's a sexist trope but it's also a Hormonal trope is my take on it. Bowie, you are next. And then Rifat. Well, first of all, I have to add that I um, know where you're coming from, but I think it is bullcrap. <laughs> Absolutely, go for that, it. The only reason I say that is because this past year, I read a book by a neuroscientist called Gender in the Brain. And it talks so much about those narratives, like hormonal and neurological arguments about 
what make men and women different are what continue to shape our ideas around gender to this day and how so much of it is what she terms neurotrash and isn't actually backed by current science or studies, but is what has become popularized in the media. So I'm sharing that only because that very much has influenced my reading of just like all kinds of stories in general, right? is like how much of this stuff is just a socialized kind of tale that we continue to tell based on systems of power and oppression worldwide. But I want to say that I am still going to read more of Bachman. Like I don't, (gasps) I didn't hate it. I'm interested enough that I want to read Anxious People because I have a friend who read it and liked it. I'm still open to it. But my point is, I think that the success of this particular story is built on narratives and views of the world that are very comfortable for people. And I feel like as a reader and writer, my role and mission is to push back against some of those narratives and to challenge them a little more, which I know I'm being kind of like, an iconoclast here a little bit, and I'm even being a little more dramatic than I probably would be with most books that I just thought were fine. And that is because I think this book could have been so much better. And I feel like Bachman owed it to himself to push himself a little harder with this book and not just give us the warm, sugary, kind of like romanticized story that I don't actually think is all that reflective of at least my experience of the world. And I want to add that I think part of what emotionally distanced me from the story was there's this fable-like quality to it. And it didn't land with me. Like there's no way in hell that 300 people would have showed up to Ove's funeral. Like that feels good. I like that idea, but did I buy it? Absolutely not. Did I buy that Sonia would be with him that long without any like real blowups or like really difficult years because of his difficulties emotionally and socially? No, nope, did not buy it. I wanted a little more grit to this story. And that is where I felt let down. I hear you, Bowie, and I agree with you, but that's not the book. I think Backman's strength is in sugarcoating and in comforting blows. I think Backman's able to present hard life lessons like, okay, but you know, yeah, 300 people came to his funeral. It's not true, but I think that's Backman's way of telling us that it's going to be okay. And this story is not meant to be a grief story. That I, I don't think Backman intended it that way. I think he intended it as an adult fairy tale and an adult warm cup of cocoa. I mean, that's what I think it is. And I think that's Backman's strength too. He tackles subjects of grief with children and happiness. And, you know, you've got Nazneen and it's just, he didn't have to do it. If he'd have taken all that away, it would. he could have intensified the grief if he wanted to, but I don't think it was his intention. And if he would have done it, I wouldn't be in love with Backman. So, I mean, that's my take on it. I mean, today you're going to be Madam Coldhearted. You're totally welcome to it. I'm really glad that you're doing it. I was just wondering, 
um, if you all thought that Uva's caregiving or actions were motivated by caregiving or, you know, mental illness or control. Because he spent, I mean, he did so many tasks throughout the entire book where he was helping people. And I consider that caregiving. So I was just wondering if you would grant him that. I'm going to say, I don't think it was caregiving as much as I hate to say it, but I think it's control. It's classic Uva, idiots. You're all an idiot. You don't know how to do something simple. You know what? Let me, just let me just do it. Here, just give it to me, okay? Let me fix it. And I think Uva is the fixer that way. And I unfortunately empathize with Uva because I can be a little bit like that at times because there are times when people are trying to do something and they're like, you know, fumbling with a box or trying to make the perfect, but like, just give me the box. Give it, give me the box. You want a bow here, type, put it together here. Perfect bow, go. And it's like, you could be like, come on, Shnaz, have some patience here. You know, I'm just being time conservative. I got it done faster. Is it rude? Is it inconsiderate? Is everyone an idiot? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's Uva's negative, but characters have to have something negative to make them realistic a little bit. I know, Bowie, everything's not realistic in this book, but it's going to have some sort of realism and heart. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's another thing the book taught the patience towards these people. I mean, I think that's definitely one of the uh, like, don't judge them and be patient. And we all have our own ways of doing good. It just doesn't have to be the same way. You are different. That doesn't mean you're bad or you your motivations or, or you, you know, you have intentions which are not good. Or if I do it and I'm like between me and my husband, I think I'm more so, like, you know, I wouldn't say I, I can say blunt things, but I say it in a nice way. My husband is very straightforward. So, you know, we're different, but it doesn't mean that he has bad intentions or I try to cover my intentions. So I think that's uh, definitely one of the things, like I said in the beginning, not judging people just based on the way they talk or the way they act or the way they cannot socialize and kind of include those subtleties that we, most of the mainstream people expect. So uh, that's uh, one thing where I think that, yes, he was helpful too. And he also did not mean any harm. Uh, and he was dealing with his own stuff too. But again, you know, I, I understand about that 300 people on, uh, on his funeral and all that. And that is a little bit so looking at all the books, Ova is the least favorite book, although I loved it. But looking at all Bachman's book, I definitely like their other books that I like more than this one. It kind of has the same flavor. And I read it first before I read the other books. But Richard uh, Ikeran said that he has a certain theme and a certain, you know, agenda about, I think, presenting to community. And he brings all those points. Um, and I think, Shanaz, you said something about um, 
taking care women being able to take care more and all I that. I told you I was being judgmental and sexist, okay? Yeah, Bowie's yeah, already taking me down, but go for you it. Know, <laughs> I, I don't care. No, no, no. You know, I'm not like a super feminist person. I'm, I don't believe, okay, this, you know, I just think that we are first humans. And I think you guys have heard me say that 10,000 times. We are first humans and then we are man or woman or then we are, you know, American or non-American or white or this and that, you know? So first of all, if you're human, I always think that if my husband was the wife and I was the husband, our relationship would be exactly the same because that's his nature and that's my nature. So I don't think, or at least in my relationship with my husband, we don't have that. I'm a woman, you're a man. So he's different from people from his culture. I'm different from that. But if I were to be the husband, we would still have the same frequency, the same kind of issues. <laughs> so I don't think it's, you know, um, just because you're a woman, so your hormones can, yeah, of course. I mean, we have bi biological differences and that does, you know, uh, impact the way we think sometimes the way we decide and all that, but it is a lot of environmental too, the way we are told to do that. So, you know, in a way I am feminist, in a way I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I don't think that uh, I do see a lot of men could be way more patient than a woman or could be more being able to care more than, you know, a man, uh, a woman. So I guess, you know, it's all we are, we, it's our nature first and then gender. I, yeah. I mean, I'm very impatient and I'm very like, I don't know. So what does that make me? Non-woman, woman, you know, are my hormones not working? So, well, Bowie's probably right, but yeah. Oh, fine. Whatever, Bowie. Stop looking so smug. <laughs> well, I have to say one thing, Shanaz. I think it's the first book that you and I are not against each other. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, usually me and Bowie are always against each other. And it's always been me. I've been, I don't like it. And Bowie's like, oh, this is so great. This is the first book where I'm like, this is great. And Bowie's like, this is so not great. I don't, I haven't, I, I don't remember being with Bowie. Maybe once or twice. I don't remember much. But whenever we have a book, it's like, I like it. And Shinaz hates it. I don't know. I'm always like, oh, Rafa. And then I like this? it. Why would you pick this book? Oh, Bowie, last book. Oh, my gosh. You are not missing out. I Which mean, one? The Dancing Girls of Lahore. That is such a beautiful book. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm talking about? Okay, Dr. J, you know what? Let's... I probably would have loved it. If Shanaz hated it, I probably would have loved it. Whatever. Go, you know what? Go, go read it. Dr. Jen, let's get back to a man called Uva. Yes. And, and Nina, you can raise your hand when you want to talk. There's the little raise hand button on the bottom of your and <laughs> the reactions. All right, Dr. Jen, go for it. Uh, yes, Bo, you should read that book. I think you would like it. Um, but I was just <laughs> going to comment on um, control versus goodness. And, and I think in my impression of him was that he just had a very black and white sense of right and wrong, um, which you see a lot of people who are on the spectrum, right? And so like, it's only a sob and those are the only acceptable cars and every other car is crap, right? It's very, very clearly like right and wrong. And I think that comes in to play with like the parking the car thing. It's like, no, you're doing it wrong. Let me just do it for you. Or like when, uh, when at the very end, when he's standing up for his friend down the, down the street, his ex-friend down the street with the white shirts it's like it, it could have just been on principle like he didn't want to let the white shirts win 
But there were other things that didn't have that um, kind of like external control factor. Like, why did he take in Mertaz, the little gay kid from the cafe? Why did he volunteer to, you know, help this kid with his bike and go out of his way to, to fix it? You know, why did he keep the cat? Like, he could have just taken it to a shelter, right? Um, and now, then it's sleeping on his bed and he's feeding tuna fish twice a day. Like, I feel like there's definitely some goodness in there, even if he is either not aware of it or trying to cover it up not sure but I think it's in there I just wanted to add that I think those acts of kindness or like the ways that he could participate or help to make the world feel a little safer and better in his view for himself and others felt like the most realistic and well-drawn moment for me like that that personality or archetype that we see in stories or even experience in real life um at least in my experience those humans who i who i have known really show their care and love through actions like that through fixing things and that's come up a couple times and those moments in the novel felt really beautiful and lovely to me i just wish that there wasn't kind of this like ironic tone throughout because i felt like I just felt like we deserved a little more than that. And it made me really curious how I would have read this novel if it would have been written in the first person rather than the third person. Because I think that third person um, attached where we're like close to him, but there's still that kind of distance is partially what made the novel feel slightly snarky to me at times in a way that I think was supposed to be funny but just made me feel more alienated from Uva. Bowie, I want to say that the the thing about when you said Uva fixing things is his way of showing love. There is a book like The Five Love Languages. That's just one of the ways someone can show love. I mean, which is, well, that was Uva's way. So I guess ultimately Uva was a wonderful person. Is that what you're saying, Bowie? That he's so loving and that you really no, I, secretly first, love him. I want to say, I want to say that, like, I know it doesn't sound like it, but I actually like Uva as a character. I what? understand why Bachman developed him as a character, but do I think that this book is one that like everyone should read and will change the hearts and minds of all across the world? Personally, no. I think there are much better books that exist. <laughs> that I would recommend to read instead. But am I grateful that like, if this book is a bomb for many people's hearts and souls around the world, I think that's wonderful. Like read it, enjoy it. But for me as a reader, I just think there are many more books that are much better than this one personally. I I have to say this, that I was just talking to someone today about the phenomenon of when you present something to someone. So when I present a man called Uva to Bowie. And I said, oh my gosh, Bowie, this is the end-all be-all book. This is the best book yeah, ever you ruined it, written. By the way. I've just ruined it because you're expecting, I don't even know what you're expecting. You're expecting a book that hasn't even been written yet. And you're like, your, your expectations are so high. And even if the book is up till here, right? It still falls short of that huge expectation. If I was like, oh my God, Bowie, do not read A Man Called Uva. It is absolute piece of rubbish. This book has nothing in it. It's just rubbish. Do not read it. And you're like, whoa, schnoz. 
I mean, you're so emotional about book. That's so rubbish. I'm going to read to see how rubbish it is. And you're going to come back because the expectation is like this. You're going to come back and you're going to go, oh, my goodness. Now I love this book. What are you talking about? And I really think I believe that factor played a part. While you totally. Because here's the thing. If you would have hated this book, I know just from past experience that I probably would have liked it. <laughs> okay. I'll just, I'll just tell you all the books we're reading for book club. I absolutely hate. We picked the worst books ever. They're like, do <laughs> not read do. books that Please I'm do. forcing people to read. So that's your expectations from now on. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Favorite character? Uh, I think mine was Sonja, the, the wife. Okay. I really, she was in like the, I mean, she was in main, not the main character, but I liked her. And I liked over too, uh, the way he was described. I liked him. Uh, but as a character, I liked Sonja. I thought she was, she had a kind of a personality that I like in general. <laughs> I like Pervana actually, except for the cat incident. I really like Pervana. She's just so crazy and funny and she's everything that I'm not. I just love it. I She is just, I wish I could be a rescuer. I wish I could see this in people. I wish I could see that someone's depressed and I could go to them and help them. But that's not me. I'm like a cold heartless snake. So I mean, like, I mean, you don't have to be that hyper and uh, oh, like you know, annoying like Pravana to be able to see that. <laughs> I know, but it's just there's something about. But I her. liked her too. I'm not she's, saying that. She's, she's just, just she's cute. She's funny. I love the way she just goes in and um, takes charge. She had her annoying moments, the cat, and then a little bit of did not have much boundaries with Uva she just kind of went in and like a bull in a china shop a little bit like when she pushed the whole kitchen thing and she's like okay tomorrow I'll come in and pack with all these in boxes and I'll help you clean up and it's like oh my gosh okay Parvana you are a total whatever but but despite all that I like Parvana Rifat you're next um, I already went I just wanted to say about Parvana this is probably cultural too you know People from the East have more, like, less boundaries. And we are, we think that it's our business. I don't think that way, but I'm just saying, like, you know, she being an immigrant and she thinking, like, you know, the way communities are different over there, you know, so that was probably a reflection, um, which I uh, do think that autism is detected less in those communities. That's how I look at it. <laughs> I don't know. Are you trying to say Parvana is possibly on the spectrum? No, 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 no. The way uh, different communities have connection with each other, they take everybody in the same flow. And that kind of has an impact on, you know, they're not left alone that much. They are from the very beginning sort of expected to be with, you know, like that included and all that. So I've, and it's there's no research behind it. It's just my own opinion. <laughs> OK, Nina, you want to go with the favorite character? Oh, sure. Um, I'd have to say it would be Jimmy. I love animals. And when he took off his shirt and the description of him taking off his shirt was fantastic and put that cat that he was allergic to in his uh, like belly 
he oof, that just sold me and then with his jumpsuit towards the end and his enthusiasm he was kind of a rescuer himself it seemed like Uva rescued him when he was a kid and that kind of helped him become the man that he became by the end of the book I was gonna say the same thing I just wanted to jump in there while I could but yeah Jimmy I, I loved that scene with him and the cat in his skin folds <laughs> it just cracked me up <laughs> I'm gonna let Bowie go before you Aaron I ju- I'm just favorite person I'm just I don't even know if Bowie has a favorite person right now so I was like <laughs> I mean I want to I want to ask who who would you who would you guess Shannon oh god Bowie you would have to do that wouldn't you um I want to say the what's it the Mar Marcas Mar the person in the restaurant who is that Marze no. Mar, Mar Mars yeah no Jimmy? No, but good guess. No, absolutely, Ova. Like, I, again, I told you, I love the Ovas of the world, which I think is partially why I found this novel so boring. So I was like, this is like real life, except like not. Like, real life with the happy ending that would happen is, is how I felt about He's it. He's still my but, heart. Like, I love him. You actually picked Uva. I'm going to cry now. I mean, I I cry when I read the book. I cry at book club now because Bowie loves Uva. I'm just so... Uva is pretty much like one of my uncles or something. I'm like, oh, like Uva. But like that was was part of his charm and why I loved him. It was just, I think the novel, I think the novel could have been better overall. But he definitely was my favorite character, hands down. Aaron. Um, I mean, so besides Ova, who is definitely my favorite character, I also liked the oldest of Parvana's daughters. I mean, I like both the daughters, but the oldest one, she is she cracked me up a couple of times. And but they both, I think, just I, I loved the perspective of children and how they were interacting with Ova and also like how they're seeing their mom interact with like the world. <laughs> And a little bit, I think they're like, oh, that's just our mom, you know, being crazy mom. So I I did like the oldest daughter. She was like, my mom's making me bring you this, like, you know, sort of a thing. So cute. Rufat, you have your hand up. So I'll let you go. And then I'll ask one of the final questions. But yeah, yeah. I I just want to say that uh, I think a lot of things I don't remember from the book, because I think I read it two or three years ago. So maybe if I'd read, I would have a clearer idea of who I like but um you know what you're saying Aaron, it's it's really his I'm gonna say forte to talk about kids right the way he knows how and I think Bachman kind of has a way with every age and every gender he is amazing and he can really individualize each character and I love that part but the, the kids is really good I mean I have three kids and he's better than I am when it comes to kids I guess <laughs> you know so Yes, I really like that. But I wish I had read it more recently to pick out a character. Favorite scene, favorite event. I'm going to go first on this because this is kind of talked about a little bit. It annoyed a lot of you, but for me, it was just enduring. The way the book starts, is this a computer? It's an iPad, sir, but is it a computer? Sir, it's, you know, does this have a keyboard? And it's just, I'm sorry. I I am sorry. It is just the most heartwarming scene. There is a scene in, um, incidentally, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Britt Marie was here. No, no, my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. Well, she's at that psychiatrist's office 
And the psychiatrist says, all these books. She's like, have you not heard of an iPad? You know, why do you have all these books? Have you not heard of an iPad? You can put all these books in this iPad. And I don't know, there's something, that scene, first scene, I laughed the first time around. I laughed the second time around. That will be my endearing scene for the book. Okay, Bowie, go. This is maybe a very weird response to this question, but I feel like the one moment where I was like, ooh, this might start to get really interesting was when he tries to hang himself. And the way Bachman paced it was like, you really are sort of uncertain about what's going to happen next at the moment where you know what's happening, but then it goes into backstory before we come back. And then it's just another uh, moment of like, oh, it didn't work. And I was like, oh, that like, but at that point was when I was like, nothing like Uber's going to have a peaceful death. Like this isn't actually a real threat, which this sounds so dark, but I think that really like ruined the stakes for me because that moment felt so, it was the only time I actually felt convinced, like maybe he really is that desperate. And I thought that was just like a really skillfully drawn scene from a craft perspective. That was a great scene. Uh, The first time I read the book, I was like, wait, you can't kill Uva. I mean, the name of the book is a man called Uva. What are you going to do? Okay, fine. And, and, you know, I had to stop. I'm going to go, okay, you, okay, fine. If you kill Uva, what's the rest of the book about? I mean, is, is the whole book going to be flashback? I mean, I remember the first time that happened, it was just like, I was so thrown off because it was so early in the book. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, can you kill a main character in the beginning of a book is, you know, from a craft per- perspective, I'm going, can you? Erin, you're next. Okay. There's a couple of scenes that really like come in my mind. It's from like the funny perspective when he beats the clown up in the hospital. <laughs> I thought that was funny because <laughs> um, I'm not really a huge fan of clowns. So I was just like, I can see this happening and really so I loved that scene from a a humor perspective from like a poignancy like kind of tying in the theme of community scene the one that really stands out in my mind is kind of two scenes so we do the flashback where he builds the uh, ramp for his wife so that she can keep teaching and then you realize that one of the kids that she was teaching is the boyfriend the bike guy and he was like your wife was the only person who believed in me and that I was capable of being something. And so I just, I liked those two scenes together and just like how powerful it is that, you know, for Ova, he was showing his wife love, right. And, and doing the thing that he thought the white shirt should have been doing to begin with. Right. So he just builds the damn ramp and goes about his life, but, you know, to come full circle and realize you know, I think he knew his wife was doing something she loved and she thought she was making a difference. But till that moment, I'm not sure he really fully appreciated the difference that she was making in people's lives. I will say, Aaron, in retrospect, that scene about him talking about, oh, Sonia was, you know, like she's the only one who, you know, helped me, whatever. In retrospect, from a writer's point of view, I'm thinking, little uh, contrived. Personally, I, I don't know why I feel that way. I When I read the book, I loved it. Even the second time around, I loved it, but I feel that scene was kind of added in for a touch of whatever. Like, it's very like a mathematical contrived equation there. 
is my thought, but it's a good scene. Dr. Chen, you have your hand up. Yeah, I, I mentioned one of my favorite scenes already with the thawing out of the cat. That, that was one. I, I think that we, we saw a little thawing of Ova at that point too, right? Um, but the other scene that I really liked was um, the when Ova met uh, his wife's dad. And then you kind of learn a little bit about their similar personalities. And then it made a little more sense after that why his wife was in the relationship with him um, because they were they were so similar and so that was really the only thing that made it even somewhat realistic that they would have been together it just made it make a little bit more sense without that scene I feel like I would have been like there's there's no way this relationship would have worked I really like I said don't remember much of the book but I like quite a I'm I'm kind of remembering as you guys are talking about uh, but the unfolding of all the secrets were definitely different, you know, places that I liked and, you know, his bluntness and, you know, all that stuff. But I can't really pinpoint a scene at this stage. Okay. Nina? Um, besides the one that I mentioned uh, before, the cat scene, the thawing out of the cat, I'd have to say there were multiple scenes, the white shirt and the Skoda. He just reminds me of somebody that I personally would like to punch in the face. So that last scene where Uva finally, finally gets him and he shows some humanity and yeah, Uva just, he nailed him. And I really appreciated that. Yep. White shirt. Yeah. Get him. (laughs) It's like, uh, okay. This looks like, oh my gosh, I love this book. Okay. What do we do? Let's do um, cover and title. So Nina, what at this point, like last three questions is cover title. And then the final question is final rating. So um, normally we'll just do cover title first. And for me, title, I'll give it a five and cover. I'll also give it a five. I, I, it's a, it's a very Bachmanish cover. Like if you look at all his other books, they have the very, I don't know. There's something about the cover that makes me just, it's got a smile on it. Not literally, but it makes me smile. So I'm going to give both the five. Erin. Um, I would give the title a four. I mean, I think it's great, but it doesn't really like give you any context to the story. I don't know. So uh, it's fine. It, it's, it's okay. It could be better description. I have mixed feelings about the covers and this is for like all of Backman's books. Okay. Cause they're done in a very similar style. Right. And maybe this is just an example of marketing to a particular population that's different than our population. I think that the artwork is very great and it, but it's very whimsical and like his stories are not like whimsical. So for me, and it's, you know, they're kind of like, a, it's almost cartoonish in nature like the the cover and so i i would look at that and be like oh this looks like a young adult or like a child's book it doesn't look like an adult book so i have i like the artwork but i don't know if it fits but it's probably a marketing thing so we'll give it a four okay dr chen oh i Actually, it sounds kind of odd, but I I did kind of get a whimsical sense from the style of of this book. And I don't know if it was just his, the snarkiness or the like, kind of, it's it's very, it's serious subjects, but it seems to be told in more of a lighthearted kind of caricature almost way. And so it kind of made sense to me that the, that the cover was 
like that. And I, I loved the picture of Oa facing away with the cat. So I, I think that is representative to me. So I, I give the cover a five. And and the title, I think, was descriptive, I guess. Although, I mean, when you're reading somebody's life story and there's no hints about what the life is about, it's hard to guess as to whether you'd be interested in it or not. But I thought it was okay. So I, I think I'd give it both a four. A four or five? Oh, a uh, cover was a five and then the okay. title was a four. Okay. I was recommended the movie first. My husband was told that you should watch the movie with the kids. So, I, you know, it's not, I don't have that same thing about the cover or, you know, I had the story already known to me before I had my hands on the book or my eyes on the cover. So, but, you know, I think if I just uh, have a book with that cover and say Zamin called over, I wouldn't say it would be that deep of a book or that, uh, so yes, there is some uh, whimsical quality or element to it. But after reading Bachman's other work, I I would give it like fourish. Both the thing, both well, the the name maybe five. But then again, my my uh, percep- like you know, I, I can't. You can't be a virgin again, <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> What book are we talking about here? (laughs) (laughs) Understand my point, girl. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I can't go back and look at it that way. So I can't, I I don't think I can judge it that way. (laughs) Okay. So you're just going to give it the, I would give it 4.5 both. Okay. After the fact, yes. Okay. Who wants to go, Bowie or Nina? I can go. Um, I would give the title a five. I think it's intriguing. I would give the cover a two. It does nothing for me, though I do think it's reflective of the novel. Um, And I just want to add that if you want to read a book that is much better than this one with a slightly similar title, I highly recommend reading My Name is Lucy Barton by Elizabeth Strout. And I listened to the audiobook of that, like I listened to A Man Called Uva, and I found it much more uh, intriguing. And it's it's similar and different in some ways. Hmm. Okay, Bowie is recommending a book. Should I go for this? Nina, cover and title. So somebody recommended that I read this book when it came out. And so for the title, I'd have to give it a three just because somebody's like, you need to read this book. And it, the title did nothing to get me to buy it and read it. It was this book club that made me purchase it and read it. So three for that. And then the title, again, I'm a sucker for animals and I liked the grass um, and him facing away. That seemed to capture uh, his essence quite a bit. So I would give that a five. Okay. Last bit, what is your final rating of this book? Your final rating. I'd like Bowie to go in the first few bits because I don't want to end on a bad note, you know. So, all right, who wants to go? I mean, I'm happy to go first and just get it over with because I'm clearly, I'm, I'm clearly the OVA of this book club tonight, by the way. I'll call you Booba for Bowie Booba. Booba. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Dr. Jed, if you want to go first. Well, that's okay. I was going to say, I give it a four. I I liked it. I might read it again. I'd recommend it to some people. It wasn't my absolute favorite ever. So 
<laughs> I know I've talked in this book club about my rating system in the past, and this is going to sound harsher than it actually is, but I did give it a two, which for me means like it was okay. Like it wasn't the worst thing I experienced. I wanted to finish it. I was invested enough to want to see what would happen. But the reality is you were so passionate about Bachman Shnaz that I was like, I have to read this person just to see what it's about. And your love for Bachman is enough that like, I will read some more of his work just out of sheer curiosity. But as of now, my introduction was just, it's okay. Which don't is read, sorry. Don't read any more Bachman at all. They're all very, very similar. If you didn't like this, they're very similar. I mean, you will not like anxious his other people. Books. Sounds very intriguing to me, though. Anxious people it's sounds horrible. like it might be a little more high stakes. It's horrible. <laughs> I know Bear what you're Town, doing right now. Bear Town, Bear I Town think might be. Too. What do you mean? It's Mm-mm. I will agree to disagree. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, he's Bear He's in there. <laughs> I'm trying. You can't tell Bowie it's good because the moment you tell her it's good, she's expecting something. I don't even else. like hockey. I don't want to read a book about hockey. I read two books about hockey. It's just for the record. I agree with that. If sports are involved, I probably will. I probably will like it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see if, if Bachman makes another appearance in this book club. I would definitely join, although I understand if you don't want to invite me at this I point. I would love to have you. I love to have you. It's it's great dialogue. I mean, this is this is what book club's all about. I love to have you. Bear Town, I will tell you, it took me a bit to get into. I mean, on yes, it took about 30% because you're like, what the heck is going on here? How you know, did how did Frederick feel about that though? Since you know you both are you have an intimate relationship. I mean, he was like, you know, he, he, he understood what was going on. So he picked up the pace is what he said. Okay, honey, I'll pick it up. And that's kind of how he picked it up. That's why it picked up. Yeah. I was like, get with the story. And he's like, okay, sweetie. And that's there. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, rating. <laughs> like, where are we going to this? <laughs> rating. Uh, Nina, what's your final rating on the book? Well, I think that Bowie made some good points and got me thinking. So once I remove my bias for the cat and Uva being like my dad, I'm at a three. What? Bowie, don't let her, don't let her talk you into a different rating. (laughs) Good points. There were some, you know, contrived aspects. Thank you, Nina. And, um, you know, I know from real life that, yeah, having an uva in your life can be very difficult. And it's not all coming up roses uh, all the time. That big, there's a lot of armor with spikes around that large heart. So yeah, 3.5. Good points, Bowie. (laughs) Okay. Okay. No, this is great. This is great. I love it. (laughs) Who hasn't gone yet? Erin, have you gone? Okay, I will still give it a five. I still give it a five. Um, Because (laughs) I just, and it's because of the themes. And I get it. You know, there there are definitely some contrived pieces here. My heart, after two years of pandemic, really, really, really needed something that was just like beautiful and embracing of community and people just like being nice and kind to one another and loving each other. 
And that's what this book brought. And so I, I just, I needed that. And so maybe it was the moment of reading this particular book. It got me. I have recommended it to a number of people. So it does fit that requirement for me. I would definitely read it again. In fact, if I had had more time, I would have reread it before book club, even though I just read it in like what October or November or something. So, so yeah, it, it definitely is a five for me. Although I would not say that all of Backman's books are a five for me, but, but this one is, and I gave the, um, us against them a five too, by the way. So, um, that's the second part, but you can't really read it without reading the first. I like, without reading I like the second part better than Beartown. Actually. I like us yeah. against them better than Beartown. Most people swear Beartown is the best and they gave us against you three. And I was like, no, us against you is, yeah. I don't know. Um, my rating is a huge surprise. Bowie, I know you're going to be so shocked. My rating is five. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Bowie's shaking her head like, yes. well, you know, I was, I was trying to. <laughs> Bowie's got an, oh my gosh, uh, face uh, emoticon on her screen. But yeah, I give it a five because despite being contrived, I like the way he balances seriousness with humor. The reason I read this book is to smile, to feel warm. It's, um, I think for me, it's more like House in the Cerulean Sea, that feeling of, of love, of just, I just want to hug it. And there, that's what this book does for me. And, you know, it's not perfect, as, as Bowie has explained yet. Yeah, I get it. I get all of that, but I'm willing to overlook all of it. And that's why I give it five. This was my, um, I think my last book or second to last book of last year. I'd have to look if it was 100 or 101. But last year, I didn't have many excellent, like five-star reads, like majority were four stars or three stars. Like I, there were very few five-star reads for me last year. And so when I was towards the end of the year and book club coming up, Uva and I said, this book will be worth the reread for me. And it absolutely was. And so my rating is a five. And uh, Rifat, you have something to say. Oh, no, I didn't give my rating. You forgot me. <laughs> I forgot you. Okay, Rifat, what is your rating? Yeah. So, you know, when I read it and when I saw the movie, usually I like to read the book and then see the movie, but it really was an amazing book and I loved it and I gave it five. But as I read more of Bachman's, I think it I would give Anxious People five for sure. That was my favorite of all. And The Grandma was a really nice one. I read it back to back three times. I just loved it so much. But um. I have to say, when you said this book was, I was very excited. I was like, yeah, it's, a, but I didn't carve out time to read it again. I don't know why. And I love rereading books. At least I, I read at least like five or six books again the same year. And I don't know why either I was busy with other things or, but I know that even if I'm busy, I would have reread it, but I don't know why didn't I do that. And that kind of like, you know, maybe I like his other books and I don't want to have another opinion. About, but generally the reason I gave it five at that time, and even now it's only 4.75, 4.5 kind of, you know, but I think uh, we need books like those where we can understand people are different from us, not only from like culturally or the way they look or the way 
you know, geographically and all that, but also the way we behave. That is, and again, you know, I have a son on, who is on spectrum and that's very personal to me. And then I work, but I love that uh, the people who don't have social filter are misunderstood a lot. And we need a lot of books like these. And I don't know if you have read, but it reminded me in, on some lines of the curious incident of a dog in the nighttime. Has anybody read it? I okay. have a feeling. Wait a minute. I have watched the play. I've watched the live okay. play. Okay. I haven't read the book. It's a play. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, it's a- I've watched the play. I haven't read the play. Mm-hmm. So it's also, um, he he's a European writer and it's written from a, like it's self-narrated from a 15 year old uh, child who is on the spectrum and he tells about how so it's really beautifully done and I thought it's been a long time that I've read a book like this so uh, other than his writing style and his but whatever you know I just think the subject itself is really good and it needs to be kind of brought out more and he not only does it with like he also brings in different communities almost all his books have people from different parts of the world and um, I, I don't even think Sweden is that international kind of a place as America or UK, but he brings it and I like that. So that's what I loved about it then. And that's what I like about all his books now. But I think after reading more of his books, I would give it a 4.75 because there are others which are five. So I read Bear Town and I'm reading Us Against You right now. So let's see. Okay. Bear Town was a bit um, too dark. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it was like heavier than these books, but oh, Bear Town is heavy, but I, which heavy, really yeah. Bear Town shocked me because when I I was yeah. expecting I was expecting warm fuzzy, I was expecting Batman, and then he decided mm-hmm. to be someone else. I was yeah, like, who that's are you? And yeah, and like just, Aaron said, I don't even like hockey, but I loved reading. I did audio, and I loved it, mm-hmm. and I started the the series which is on HBO but then I stopped it because the characters were getting all muddled up and I was like I need to finish the part two first before I start the series it's a three part I think but I just want to let you know that the anxious people is also on Netflix it they it came on 29th of December so I kind of started watching it but I haven't watched it and Brit Marie is also there so yeah. I need to read anxious people so that's yeah, like yeah. next on my list so i just finished like literally today um us against you so. oh okay so it was finally good. It was really, really good finally <laughs> i could be friends with erin again i mean our friendship was like hanging right she literally threatened our friendship if i didn't I was know. Just like, i was like this is it <laughs> oh. i was like you're either my friend or you're not <laughs> i know and I know, um, but well, we're happy to have Bowie. Otherwise, it's me and Shanaz going like this. Oh, my. Yes. Bowie has been. Bowie I'm happy me. to have lightened the load for you. Oh, yes, <laughs> Bowie. You. So Bowie, I have a question for you. Sorry, Shanaz. Have you read Casual Vacancy? No, but okay. I have some friends who are diehard fans and I'm intrigued. I'm and intrigued. started. <laughs> Okay. Okay. First off, first off, I did not hate casual vacancy. You did not like it. (laughs) I didn't like it when I first read it, but wait, let me finish. Let me finish. I didn't like it when I first read it because I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, 
But then when I was doing my podcast episode for top 20 of 2021, I was looking back at casual vacancy and I said, you know, this book I did not like when I first read it, but there are some books that after a few months, you look back at it and you think, oh my gosh, this book is brilliant. This book is freaking brilliant. The way it's written. I mean, I may not like the story, but the book is freaking brilliant. And that's, so it's in my top 20 of 2021. I don't know where it lands. I think it's in the top 10, but let's, um, let's top our first you know, uh, I guess episode, whatever. How do you call this, Rufus? Because every time I said, let's close book club for today, Rufus, like you're closing book club. No, I'm like, okay, let's stop our discussion of yeah, a man called Uva. Okay. And uh, thank you. You could all. say close the cover. Okay. Let's close the cover on a man called Uva by Frederick Backman. What did you guys think? Wasn't that a lively discussion? I was grateful for Bowie's alternative point of view of the story. I mean, I'm still in love with Uva. It doesn't change that. But it does open up a different way of thinking about the story. Upcoming for the podcast, I am working on getting a couple of author interviews. I know I said I wouldn't actively seek any, but those came to me, so I thought I'll do it. And I'm still working on the episode about reading and writing, and we'll see where that goes. I'm still flushing that one out. That's all I have for this time. Like I said before, ways to contact me and links to Libro FM and buy me a coffee will be in the show notes. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shahnaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>